Right, uh, welcome to episode four of How to Make a Video Game with Auric Digital, season two of uh, season of, two. The, of this. So, wow, exciting. I love that there's an archive developing. All the cool things. My name is Matt Davis. I'm the marketing and community manager. I'm joined by Matthew Walker, sound designer, music designer. You may also hear a third guest today. Well, actually, we're going to have two guests later on, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. may hear a third one. Um, cunningly named Thuddy McThudderson, because <laughs> here at the lovely uh, Bristol Games Hub down in Stokes Croft, we are having some work done underneath mm. us, and they started a lot earlier than I actually intended. So we should probably check to see that that is just work, and that someone is not being brutally <laughs> just, murdered and thrown around the place. I mean, it is Stokescroft, well. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> so you may hear the periodic dulcet sounds of various, you know, various mechanical equipment going off mm. in the background. So apologies for that in advance. Um, so how are things? All right. Good. A little bit puffy eyes. Yeah. Um, was up slightly later than normal last night. Doing uh, something cool. Doing something very cool and not playing XCOM this nice. time. <laughs> um, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> well, we've we've got the thing for you. With that, uh, um, pois, um, that, I was playing with that the other day. I, I I ran it through a bit crusher and it reminded me of what's um, a bit crusher? Oh, tell me about a bit crusher. Well, it, it just it just crushes the signal, crushes the sound, and makes it sound eight bit, sixteen bit. Okay, so right. Like okay, you know. yeah. But I did it to that um, pois, and it reminded me a lot of. Um, uh, I think it might be Streets of Rage 2 when they started to introduce special moves outside of your cop car special mm. moves. Um, Axel, I think it is the blonde guy, yeah, does yeah. like some sort of fire punch thing. Yeah. <laughs> and your umpoir sounded just like that. I'm, I'm going to take that. I mean, I always wanted to be Jet when I was growing up. <laughs> uh, I, I used to play as no, she was the was best one. Jet Blaze, was that? No. No, Blaze, Blaze. Blaze, Jet's it? the gladiator. That's who it? I'm thinking of. <laughs> They're both merged in my head. <laughs> basically okay. the same so person. My, my point was, um, yeah, uh, in fact, I don't know what my point was. I've, just, I've totally lost my thought there. <laughs> carry on, carry on. Um, you weren't playing XCOM. You instead, no, sorry, you were yes, staying so up the, late. That's going to be our foghorn. Yes. We're going to yes. call it a foghorn, yeah, yeah. but it won't be a literal foghorn. <laughs> It'll be you saying, oh, poor. But why were you staying up late? Because I was working on Mars Horizon, putting finishing touches to the soundtrack. Cool. And um, I'm quite happy with it. Awesome. Um, I, I have, we're recording this earlier in the day, mm-hmm. so I haven't done the morning after test yet to the latest mixes. Uh, going to do that later. Um, but yeah, if you did, if you did want to get just a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky peek, you can check out on our YouTube channel some of the stuff I've used for the Master Rising Blaster videos because mm. I've taken a very early draft of it and used it in there because again, I think it it works, it fits in with that. Does. I mean, we're having that bit of spacey renaissance here at the moment in the office yeah, of yeah. like you know we're going with, with Blast Off and we're going Master Rising and you know th- there's all this sort of stuff happening in the background so. I think it works, and I'm, it definitely works. I yeah. mean, when you put something like that out there, um, it's the voice. It becomes the voice of the game. You mm. know, anything and everything to do with it, it helps push that voice. Helps helps push that 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 color. Mm. You know, that mm. identity. Yeah, so absolutely. it's all good stuff. Well. Um, we aren't just thinking about space. We are thinking about the post-apocalyptic future as well. Yeah. Because things are moving at pace with the other title that we've got here, which is Dark Future. So many games. There is there's so many games. So many things. It's so exciting, many activities though. to do in and around it. But very, very excitingly, mm-hmm. there is a lot of cool stuff happening with that. There's some very cool stuff happening that will happen on this podcast. There's some very cool stuff that will be happening with the game and game development and other bits and bobs from there. So as if, if you are interested in finding more about it and learning about it, a, just keep a listen here because we'll obviously tell you everything that's happening that's going on <laughs> in and around it. But B, you can also pop over to the Steam page. Uh, we're going to be doing regular updates on there now as we're getting closer towards a 
potential release date. Whoa! Uh, more information <laughs> to come on that soon. But yeah, things are moving at pace. Things are mm. busy. Things are busy. Busy's good. Busy we like busy. is good. Yeah. Um, but we are also here to talk about another Games Workshop product, another one of the old guard of Games Workshop products, uh, which is Chainsaw Warrior. Mm-hmm. And Chainsaw Warrior is a a slightly wacky game. I really want to try out the solo mode. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, got, uh, the board, I've, I've played the the video game, yeah, but yeah. Um, not the not the board game. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know that Tom's got with him today uh, a very vintage, vintage. It is looking it, box. It, it with really him. is like genuinely like I feel like anything he takes out will have dry ice pouring out. Of it. <laughs> Just <to> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> so, oh, the final copy. There's, I think actually, I mean, I should know this because I look after the website. But I think we sell like a copy. Uh, yeah, that's on true. The, on, so if you if you are looking for one, we do have a copy in our and I know that Tom, store. Tom will want them to go to a good place as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, these yeah. are real collectors. Like we might send you some questions to be like, are you <laughs> <laughs> like? There's, prob- a cr- there's a criteria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the first one is like, how are you with lead? But that's Tom, <laughs> Tom can get on with that one a little bit later. So uh, yeah, as I said, we are going to have two guests joining us as well. We're going to have Tom come in again for a, another appearance. Mm-hmm. We're also going to have um, Steve Martin as well join us, who yep. did some work on. Uh, Chainsaw Warrior Lords of the Night which mm-hmm. is the follow up um, so I reckon we might as well just dive into it Let's hit it okay so um, and thank you very much again for Tom for joining us again for this episode um, and we want to talk today uh, as we mentioned in the, in, the, in the intro about Chainsaw Warrior so what is Chainsaw Warrior what, what you know yeah very simple straight question what is it yeah, and it's, I should say it's nice to get a chance to do a bit of a deep dive into one of our projects that, that we've worked on um, and get a chance to kind of get into the guts of it. Um, so Chainsaw Warrior was a, is a solo board game um, from 1987, and around that period, Games Workshop were doing a whole bunch of very cool games. Uh, it was actually designed by a guy called Stephen Hand, uh, and I've played a whole bunch of games he did. He also did Chaos Marauders, if, if anyone listening knows that one. He also did a game called Fury of Dracula, fantastic Which is game. super excellent, by that, the way. Yeah, they, they are great games. He's a very, very talented game designer. I really like his stuff. I didn't know who that's... They were all by him at that point. Mm. I think it was, a, it was a nice surprise later on when I was more conscious as, as a games designer myself of, you know, who did the work on these things to suddenly join the dots and realise he'd done all these games yeah. that as a kid I played and loved. Um, so that was really exciting. And in fact, one of the, the really interesting things working on this project was because um, uh, obviously we were in communication with him a little bit. And I got to do an interview with him. I said, you know, you OK if we do an interview? Uh, so r- very early on, did an interview with him, which, which again, you know, a bit of a you know, very exciting thing as somebody, you know, you admire their work and then you finally get a chance to kind of do them. And, and, and I think we can stick some. Uh, links into the show notes can we yeah uh, no definitely yeah those interviews interestingly it talks about you know he talks about a whole bunch of stuff around how he made the game and what his thoughts were and he, actually even though this game was made oh god my maths isn't great 1987 and we're on 2018 what's that 31 years uh yeah 30 yeah 31 years because Th- 31 was, years ago i was going to ask that side question because matt were you born when this game came out Year were you born? Oh, God. That's, that's a question I, I care not to answer. <laughs> Thanks, I, was, I was one years old when oh, this game God. came out. <laughs> no, I was. Well, welcome to the podcast that officially makes me feel really old. Many um, things, many things that Oric do is um, this is how to make you feel old podcast. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's another sideline there for us. Eh? <clears throat> welcome to Old Hammer. Right. 31 years ago. Yeah. 31 years ago. Yes. Gosh, that does make me feel old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really love the game. Um, and it was really interesting to hear his inspirations, you know, what were the, what were the things that kind of, you know, 
popped in and out of his thinking while he was making it and, and he talks in detail about that and the stuff like texas chainsaw massacre which is now a classic horror film i hadn't seen it when i was a kid playing the game but you totally get why texas chainsaw massacre and chainsaw warrior they have a common linkage yeah. maybe, maybe we should have a competition <laughs> yeah. to see if you can think what the common yeah, linkage. you can guess right in so. yeah, yeah right in we'll send you yeah, <laughs> yeah um, we'll send you we'll yeah. send you the answer <laughs> slight, slight aside working because we have a game called chainsaw warrior and there's a bunch of bots that obviously scan through companies, grab their email addresses, look at what they do, and then I guess it's some kind of scam thing. Then they send them an email when trying to open a dialogue with yeah. you. So so every couple of months I get an email of somebody saying, could you supply us, good sir, with chainsaws? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, I don't not. Um, <laughs> Have you had one from like a medieval company asking you to supply warriors for a, an no, upcoming no, battle or anything? Yeah. So that's a shame. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and, but the, one of the other things that discovered in that interview with him that influenced him, which I was super excited to discover, was Lovecraft's work. Mm. So there's a card in the original Chainsaw Warrior called the Chaos Agent, and I think, and we, uh, you know, may, maybe this will pop up later on, that you would assume that maybe that's something to do with you know Chaos, which is obviously a, a signature part of the Warhammer universes. Um, but no, he, he he said he was thinking of Lovecraft around that, which so I was really you know as a as a fan of Lovecraft's work, it was really nice to find two things that I really like had that common linkage. So that was cool. So I guess the what what was the inspiration behind us actually turning it into a game? Is it is it a very complicated game to play? Is it quite like a difficult one? Why did we decide to make it a digital um, thing? I mean, so a solo. So it's probably at this point worth then giving a little bit of what sort of a game it was because back in 1987 this was much more of a rarity there were not many solo board games you get a lot more of them now and you know with board games now it's fairly common for them to add a solo mode and that's great because solo board games are good fun you can't always find people to play it with uh and i'm a member of a couple of facebook groups where they talk about solo games i was interested in that um i have the same sort of i have the same sort of board game love where i pick up a game like oh my this is amazing really oh yeah no one's really interested in this yeah, like exactly. high tactical strategy i, I feel that pain <laughs> but that's the story for another, <laughs> yeah. another podcast yeah. i feel that pain so um but it's this fantastic solo game where essentially you play the 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 eponymous chainsaw warrior uh and there is this strange anomaly happening in new york that's threatening to destroy the city and you get sent in and you have to stop it and what you you realize is that as part of it there's this this figure called darkness who is uh this this alien evil entity we don't really know what and again i think if you have a look at the interview you can see a lot of the influences coming into that um and you have to find and kill this thing but this thing's not it's not easy to kill it it there's that you are equipped with a thing called a laser lance which is the only thing that can kill him uh it's a very powerful weapon but you've got to get there alive with with that weapon with enough shots left in it to do it and it's a really difficult game yeah um, so anyway, I knew this game, really liked this game. I always felt that this game, well, I felt uh, as in for quite a while, the game would make a really good digital version. And that that's in part because um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of cards, there's a lot of things you have to track when you make the game. So I always thought it would be good. And I was having a conversation with the people. There's a company, I'm, I'm not sure they're still going, called Rodeo Games. Right. They did these fantastic Warhammer Quest apps um, cool. for for Games Workshop. Yep. Uh, I was chatting with them at a games event called Develop and they said, oh yeah, you know, you know, you, you should have a chat with Games Workshop because, you know, this thing had been in my head. So they put me in touch with Games Workshop uh, and then, you know, I had a chat and said, yeah, I'd really like to change to Warrior. They were like, yeah, that's cool. You know, that would be really great. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, the people I was talking to there, they had a real love for it. Um, they knew it. They, they had been yeah. part because uh, you get a lot of people at Games Workshop been there a while. 
and and they knew the title and they were like that would be cool. I was going to say that's probably their draw and their inspiration. Like it was one of the things that got them into Games Workshop in the first place. So but very very yeah. possibly mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it was but but for me there was this like I'd 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 start I'd been playing Games Workshop stuff since I was a kid. I've got you know first edition Warhammer forty thousand uh, and I just it was like this is this is fantastic. This is like a, a I've always wanted to do stuff with them. So this was just super exciting. So that that's kind of how the game came about. Like that combination of you know me thinking it would work well, them being receptive to kind of a you know to to somebody doing something with it. So then yeah, we kind of resurrected it and started working on it. And then that that. The rest, then the they rest, say is history, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the rest was well, uh, and then uh, a fairly or it was about future, a, maybe yeah, potentially future. is it? <laughs> it, was a, it was about a three month development period to do it, and and that itself was really interesting because it's such an old game that within the archive of stuff they've got there, they didn't have high quality the original high quality visuals because it was done thirty one years ago. Yeah, well, yeah. it was released thirty one years ago, so it was probably done, you know, even before that. Um, so you know, some of the stuff we had to recreate because uh, it just didn't exist. Some of the stuff we were able to use some of the original assets, and if you play the digital game, you and I think the Steam version is the best version of that. You'll kind of be able to see some of those things we've done in there. So how how does it actually play? So you've you've gone, gone over the basics of what the what the story is and the, the the narrative behind it, but as playing the game as a, as a, as an entity, what what does that look like? How does it how does it work? Well, I've got a copy here. Now we're on we're on um, podcast, so you can't actually see it, but. You can you can hear me opening the box. So hopefully, yeah. I let's get some of that. Let's hear that. Like, so here I'm I'm opening the box of. So so here we have a 31 year old board game. It's fantastic. Classic. Um, it, it it is classic. So we'll, we'll stick a few photos up. Yeah um, yeah yeah. yeah. So so basically, it it's a it's a card game. As I mentioned, it's kind of quite a difficult card game because it's a solo game. That's what that's what makes it it it, it much more interesting and. What was interesting in Stephen Hand's interview is he he said again he's got real he's got a fantastic grasp of all, all this stuff he said if you're doing a solo game uh, I'm going to read a little bit from what he mm. says because I think it's really interesting mm. um, for the solo player in any game there are only three kinds of opponents prescripted um, which has the limitation of playing once purely yeah. random uh, and and then solo card games you know like like solitaire and things like that or or the idea of a kind of almost a, a rudimentary artificial intelligence. He, he talks about um and basically he says change the warrior ops for that third choice right so the idea is that the the order in which the cards hit you that is random but it creates a sense of the narrative of that you're facing a series of opponents and also the way you structure the decks of cards that you have to work your way through so you've got a bunch of cards and each card's an encounter and it, the, the idea is that the conceit is that you're moving through this building, which is at the center of this strange anomaly. Yeah. And as you clear out the rooms, trying to find the, the kind of heart of it, you face these encounters and you can choose to fight. Yeah. You can choose to run away. And there's different ways you can choose to fight. But the, the balance becomes, if you like, against the enemy is you are trying to conserve your resources to get there. But sometimes you kind of have to use yeah. them. Okay. Um, so... It, it basically it creates this series of probabilities of which cards are going to come up and mm. when a series of probabilities about how well you do in the card so it's game. A, it's a bit of a stats nerdy game as well. It's got um, a bit of no, it, no, I would say no, I would say not. I, I think it's got this great emergent story within it. But okay. what what what's great in the design is every time you play it, that story plays out differently. So okay. it has that replay value. Yeah, and I think the fact yeah, it's really difficult. Um, is really important as well because if you're you know back then you know you're going to spend a, a, a big chunk of your 
your well several pocket monies in my case quite a few <laughs> to get this game yeah and then you play it once and you've finished it you're like oh well that, that i was, was gonna say because with a solo game surely there's a there's a there's a need for it to have that extra level of complexity because m- much of the complexity of a, of a normal game comes from you're competing against other people you know like who you're playing against and the skill of that whereas a solo game you're going up against the game <laughs> Yeah, and you. I think what's great about it is you are having to make strategic choices. You you are having to do stuff. You are having to to decide what resources to use, whether or not to go for it, and the luck then plays the balance of it that makes it play out differently. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, a, a few of the things that I think like so if if you play our digital version, we've got a version called Classic Mode, and the Classic Mode is the original board game, and it's right. really hard <laughs> because the amount of equipment you're limited in. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole a whole bunch of stuff there that makes it you know a little bit harder about how it all works. Um, and then it's got loads of great stuff like you've got uh, like hand-to-hand weapons and range weapons, which has this great HTH, which always sticks in my head. Of yeah. um, uh, there's a thing called the cats. I'm quite into cats. And there's yeah. a thing cats, which is like we're a big, targeting we're big device. Pro cats studio, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but there's a, it's a targeting device um, uh, that I'm trying to remember what it stands for now. I should dig the card out and we should stick an image of that in. Um, but yeah, it's it's all yeah. It's it's just a it's a really nicely done game, very well. And in fact, I think like. It sounds like everyone doing ends up in, you know, hey, here's a product. Um, but I should mention, so when we were working on the game, we ended up, uh, so I've got my own copy of it, which uh, I'm obviously keeping, but I did end up getting a couple of other copies while mm. we were doing development so people could, you know, look yeah, at yeah. it and reference it. And I think we, we stuck those up on our store. They because are still it's on like, our store. It's a very good time. Yeah, yes, yeah. there is actually two. Oh, uh, I think there's only actually two copies left. Yeah, I, I, that, that's all there is. Yeah, yeah, we had a few of them and, and now they're kind of they're, they're there. But, you know, I would like them to go to a good home where somebody's going to play it and appreciate how cool it is. But the digital version is still the best one. <laughs> uh, to my mind, yeah, the digital yeah. version is good because it it. You know, we, we added some other game modes to it, some other challenges. You've got all the achievements. There's, there's a lot to it there that, that we were able to kind of, you know, build around the core of, of the game. But it is a very faithful translation of the original game. And that was always the plan. And I was very pleased with how that came out. That's um, really exciting to know, actually. Mm. I mean, um, board games generally and their kind of digital counterparts, it's, it's a relatively new thing for me. Um and recently, having uh, acquired the XCOM board game, right, um, and also uh, Star Wars Monopoly, a uh, very very different <laughs> <laughs> game. Yeah, but um, Star uh, Wars I, Monopoly. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. casual. I know, <laughs> um, but it's I don't get many opportunities to play these things, and they're great. So knowing that there's stuff like that out there that is just a single experience, like that's that's awesome. That's really yeah. good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I suppose it's 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 that benefit of having that within the time because I suppose what I mean, Games Workshop must have done you know, other stuff for this? Or has this been laying dormant for a while? Are we the first people to pick this back up again? Or um, Yeah, I mean, they, they so around the time they did it, they obviously, they, they, they did some other stuff around it. So there was an article, um, they had some new cards. They had a great weapon called the Reaper. Uh, they added some new cards and that was in White Dwarf issue 88, uh, which had the great wow. name Life, Death <laughs> and an American Chainsaw. Um, and then uh, a few issues later in, in issue White Dwarf 92, they added some clarifications and additions called uh, in an article called The True Confessions of a Chainsaw Warrior, which was also by Stephen Han. Um, they actually featured Chainsaw Warrior in the Talisman, in the Timescape expansion. And it, right. in fact, again, we've got some miniatures. Um, we're on, as we're on the radio. Have to jingle them near yeah, you'll, you'll just you'll hear. But, but what you can hear there is the, the sound of metal clacking on metal. It's very heavy metal. Uh, and these these are old old school You're putting their wicked guitars. Yeah, well, we actually I, I didn't I didn't have these at the time, which I always wanted them because I saw them advertising White Dwarf, and I was like, I desperately want those. Yeah. 
those minis, but I, I didn't. So we p- I picked these up off eBay later on, and I thought these would make a great competition prize because mm. uh, we've done a couple of competitions in relation to it. So there's one with him with his chainsaw. There's one with him with the, with the big um, machine gun. There's one with him with a rocket launcher, a, a kind of bazooka. Yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, you can't distribute these because the the laws in regard uh, lead in miniatures <laughs> are very different in the 80s than they are now. So, Amazing. Yeah, so, so, they, so they are they, now a health and safety even, nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are dangerous as Chainsaw Warrior is. I don't, I don't know if they're actually dangerous, but anyway, we, we can't. So, so they just sit on a shelf in the office looking very cool, um, which, which, which again... Uh, uh, Amazing. They're like basically asbestos-filled, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, lead-painted no. lead models from the 80s. Don't, don't so. mess with Chainsaw Warrior. So it's on, <laughs> on my list of stuff that we need to get around to painting at some point. <laughs> which um, is a, a perennially but, large list here, so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, they, they did a few things. But yeah, and, until then, they didn't really do anything with it until we, we kind of, you know, came along and... You know, breathe new life into the into the the chainsaws later on. So we we adopted a lot of that stuff then into into our work as we as, as we went forward. So yeah, I mean the the rules clarifications additions obviously you know read through all that as as part of it. We didn't add all the cards. The the plan was kind of maybe add some of them later. One of the things that's difficult you learn when you adapt a, a physical board game to digital is computers are very sequ- sequence orientated systems. Yeah, um, things have to happen in a certain way. And a couple of the other card editions had things where an event could happen. And then it would say, if this event's just happened and you, you, you know, uh, or, or you just lost this health and you lost this combat, oh, oh this card allows you to undo that. Yeah. Um, which sounds really straightforward. And, mm. and as a human being, because our, our systems of thinking are a little bit more fuzzy, that makes perfect sense. For, for a video game version, that becomes a problem. Uh, in part, not because a computer can't undo an action, yeah, yeah. but because in terms of the UI, how do you explain what's going on? How do you allow people to make strategic choices before an option's been um, played? The, the basically, they became, became a lot more... The system of what Chainsaw Warriors is way more complicated than it, it would appear to be. Yeah. Um, and that was our kind of first experience as a studio of going... Oh, actually, ad- adapting board games is is a is a craft and an art in itself, mm. and we learned a lot from doing Chainsaw Warrior, um, and then yeah. So, but it it's uh, as I say, I I think if you play the game and you play the board game and you play the digital version, you'll see just how much care and love has gone into making that 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 true to what it was. Would you say? Sorry, uh, would you say that? Without Oric Digital taking it upon themselves to uh, to take a game like this and breathe new life into it, you know, is there a risk of games like this becoming just fading away, becoming myth, you know? And then, yes, to the to the devoted board game um, enthusiast, mm. you know, it's always going to be something that might sit on their shelf and they'll, they'll crack it open every so often. But without kind of digitizing it and in- introducing it to a new audience, these things can just fade away, fade away, right? Mm. Um, and that's really sad if that ever happens. Yeah, because I, I think there's a, there's a cultural history here of, of the of all these things, and when things are created, they draw from the culture they're part of, and they they give back to the culture that they're released into. Uh, and and I think Chainsaw Warrior is a really important game in the history of of games and of board games. You know, I, th- I think I've heard it referred to as like the like Doom before before you had first person shooters and it very much feels like that if yeah. you play it uh, i've heard it called the kind of the dark souls of the board games because it's really difficult mm. uh, and it involves a lot of combat yeah. so so yeah it's definitely it's nice to to kind of introduce it to a bunch of new people because obviously people who have got hold of the game there's a lot of people who bought the original 
um, who then picked up this, but plenty of people have come to it new. And we've had some lovely emails and messages from people who've never heard of this thing before, started playing it and really giving it some love. And in fact, you, you can pick up this game and a sequel we did, uh, Chainsaw Warrior Lords of the Night. There's a bundle with the two of them. And I, I love Lords of the Night. I was super happy with what we did there. I think, uh, again, as a studio, we took the core elements that makes Chainsaw Warrior a great game. We riffed on that. We kind of went, we went Chainsaw Jazz. Did our own thing yeah. on that. Yeah. And, There's uh, an alternative version of Chainsaw Warrior somewhere, yeah. like Jazz Edition. Yeah. Chainsaw <laughs> Warrior Jazz Edition. <laughs> there <sold>. you go. <laughs> This is how the creative process works here in this organisation, so. Um, Flying in all the way from Hollywood, it is Steve Martin. Banjo superstar Steve Martin, that's That's me. Uh, Whose Twitter game is genuinely on fire. One of my favourite things to log in and see in the morning, so. Don't tell tell people that. That's going to raise people's expectations. I am raising his expectations massively. See, people think Matthew Walker's quite good at what he does, so see, this is the the magic of what I can do. (laughs) I'm so sorry for anyone who goes to that. I'm so sorry. Um, Steve, thank you for joining us. So we're we're approaching into new territory. We're having four people on one podcast. This is maverick time. This is uncharted territory now, isn't it? territory uh but steve uh thank you for joining us um you were a designer on the follow-up to chainsaw warrior i certainly was so chainsaw warrior lord of the night can so can you tell me well firstly just a little bit about what's different between that and the and the original one so uh, and why was it that what was it that you did specifically around it yeah so um chainsaw warrior was actually my first game as a game designer being paid to be a game designer cool. uh, which was really fun um so one of the, the the main things we changed about it was we kind of turned it into a video game right. <laughs> like the the first one was very much an adaptation of the board game which is mm. exactly what people wanted um and when we came to do the the sequel uh, we took a lot of a lot of inspiration from roguelikes and uh the, the stuff that was starting to get a bit pretty big um yeah. and we put sort of unlockable things we changed up the zones um made it a little bit less random, a little bit more structured. Right. Um, put sort of mini bosses in that were kind of at the end of sections, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but it kept the core principles of what Chainsaw Warrior was? Or did oh, we absolutely. Muck about yeah. No, no, it's, 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 very, it's very much still a card game. It's very much Chainsaw Warrior. Like mm. if, you, if you like the original, um, a lot of people, well, a lot of the reaction we got was it's the original plus, which is ex- exactly what we were going for. Yeah. That's really positive. That's really positive to hear around it. So, um... Another reason, another reason we've also brought you in here, Steve, is to talk about the uh, the my favourite fan fan theory that I've heard <laughs> of. Fan yeah, theories yeah. are a big fan. I'm right. a big fan of fan theories, right? And this one is particular, which is that I have been told that Chainsaw Warrior is technically the prerequisite of you know, there's like the four Imperiums of Man or the four Ages of Man or something, and it was like when mankind was like. So for those of you that aren't super Games Workshop nerds, like the Games Workshop backstory is deep, <laughs> and it is, yeah. it is hard. Yeah. It's like deep yeah. and like dark and mysterious, and it's it's mm-hmm. really mess aroundy. But sure. you have the old world, which is like when we were discovering humanity. Then we have the industrial era, and then you have the sort of pre emperor time and then the emperor time where there is only war and grimdark and yeah. mayhem i've been taught on a fan theory that there's a uh, potential that this was the starting one from it that's it's i mean you can you can definitely see where the theory is coming from like especially you, there's a few kind of clues in the art that you can follow through like the the sort of studs in the forehead you get in some of the chains of warrior art is very 
looks a lot like the space marines you get in the in some of the stuff but it's definitely not true i think like the 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 two main games workshop worlds the sort of warhammer fantasy and warhammer 40k there are some sim- similarities between them like you've got some of the same ancient gods blah 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 but i think and i'm not 100 percent sure on this but i don't think they're canonically linked okay mm. I think they just have parallels. There is a side. Uh, I mean, I know there's this little bit of a joke in one of the things, which is the the lizard men in the Warhammer fantasy world are like these ancient crocodile lizardy type people, and they, they they find this weird device that they're not quite sure what it does, but it keeps like beaming out signals and like talking, and they don't understand what it is. And the theory goes, and it's it's sort of done in a very clever Games Workshop written style. It's almost implied that in the 40k universe, which is very far future, machine guns. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing that a transmitter radio falls through a wormhole and lands there but it keeps beaming signals out like being like where, where are you like we need some help we need reinforcements and they're like ooh. Like, I, i'd <laughs> like to know at some point I, I would love for a big kind of um a big developer a big company to take on board a fan theory like that i mean there's there's so many or, out there or a small independent or, or small, video game well, studio whatever perhaps, just Matthew. anyone who has a fan theory to kind of really absorb that and, and embrace the the thinking the thinking muscles of many, many a fan because I, they come up with great stuff. I, I was gonna, you, you have that, but I, I guess, I guess it's to loosely bring us back on point though, it's like it, the fan theory side of it is it comes from that inspiration of like you've got a really cool setting, you're being able to put your own imagination, your own thoughts into it, you can find connections and dots that the original guys didn't really plan to do. And in a way, is that kind of what Lords of the Night was for us? It was kind of our own imagining of this cool world and letting us and our imagination go crazy on it yeah i mean one of the one of the main things we kind of wanted to do when we when we came into it is uh, take it away from the the kind of urban environment and just see what other parts of the world we can put it in so mm. the first one was very much your your sort of uh john carpenter escape from new york that mm. kind of yeah. vibe um and we just wanted to explore some different environments so we ended up doing the kind of jungle tomb raider crawl uh zombies and jaguars and yeah. you know like ancient cults and that sort of thing and it sort of became a bit more of the well heading towards the predator territory rather than right the, yeah. the escape from new york basically still very much 80s kitsch yeah um it's it's still still very very daft and yeah. very over the top, but um, yeah, it was it was more exploring that rather than exploring the the kind of the fan theories and that sort of stuff. Cool. Although actually, um, my favorite my favorite thing that came out of the whole project actually was somebody uh, somebody who got really really into the game wrote a massive treatise on like the the different zones in Chainsaw Warrior and against like the Freudian theories of the mind no seriously wow. so there, there, there's like, there's wow. like uh, the first area is the jungle which is like the the oh, I, I can't remember enough of yeah. it to, but like exploring the different layers of the game as the different kind of aspects of the human psyche no it, way. Was, it was nuts man it was so so, cool. so that but that wasn't everything you intended to pull out of it as oh yeah as I mean as, 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 a, uh, as, a, <coughs> as a professional writer that was exactly what I was going for I think I'm just Glad, I'm just glad it. somebody spotted it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was it was Amazing. like I, I, I just wanted to, to put like monkeys that, that threw stuff at you and like jag you us in and yeah, and and, and suddenly we're and it turned into this amazing. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, Amazing, Amazing. Well, thank you very much, Steve, for joining us. Yeah, I no really do appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to say thank you very much to Tom. And Thanks, I'm going to say thank you very much to Steve as well for joining us on this little bit of a deep dive into Chainsaw Warrior.
Well, that was very thorough. It's um, always thorough. Always thorough. Just, always just thorough. one Sunday afternoon, I'd love to find where the where the little little door is to Thomas's brain. <laughs> just open that up um, and just walk into and bask within the glory that is this encyclopedic I, brain. I would say I uh, yes, but also I think there'd be a lot of like tentacles and Cthulhu-related <laughs> stuff in there. So you'd have to be you'd have to tread very carefully. I would say. Yeah, immediately I don't want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've I've seen what they look like in Acton Cthulhu, and they are disgusting. Yeah, well, you've got like half of them on my arm as well. So yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, change the worry though. Uh, what a game! Man, what a man. game! I mean, as I said at the moment, um, we are running a bit of a sale on it, so you can go and check it out and have a look at it. Look at it on the on the Steam store from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's a unique game. It exists in a very. I don't think you get many single player like single player board game video games. You get lots of single player games, yeah. but not a huge number of like solo board games. No, that's true, and um, I, I'm not hugely quizzed on um, on on every backstory to every board game and whatnot. But um, having made the recent purchase for me, rather, my, my mother bought me the oh. X, XCOM. Sorry, <laughs> um, bought me the XCOM board game, and I know that you oh, can, really? pl- yeah, mm. you, um, you can play that by yourself. I went to one of the the board game meets with with the Oroch team. Mm. Um, I think before Christmas now. And I was playing the XCOM board game yeah. with Adam, one of our designers yeah. here. And um, and he showed me the ropes, and it was really, really cool. And he was explaining that you can play stuff. But XCOM as a video game and as a board game is pretty stressful, mm. okay? And mm. that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the fun in it, yeah. That's, that's the fun. That's where the, the real engagement comes from, comes from. But just managing the departments that you have to look after... Mm. As as one person, that stresses me out. Just thinking about it now. Yeah, but yeah. it can be done. Yeah, no, be absolutely. Done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like I've seen lots of um, uh, the one that uh, comes to mind is Thunderhawk, Thunderhawk Apache or something. Okay, which is like a solitaire game about managing air defenses in Vietnam. <laughs> but it's like four or five hours worth, or maybe even longer. It's like a big GMT oh, game. It's like 70, 80 quid. The only reason I know about it is mm. because someone did a Cthulhu expansion for it, like a, right. like a freebie, like they made their own one. And it was like, just imagine Cthulhu's invading. And yeah. instead of these like MiGs and various other, you know, <laughs> Chinese airplanes and stuff, it was... It, it's very, very cool. But, but those sort of games exist. There's definitely a market for them. There's lots of people who like doing that, you know, especially if you're like... If you need something to pick up and just play quickly and then you mm. kind of want to go somewhere else and do your busy schedule, whatever else. It, those sort of games have a market and so it's quite interesting and it, it's quite cool as well to pull out an old, you know, Chains of Warriors is a classic games workshop game. Yeah, so it's a, yeah. it's something from history that we're bringing back into the modern day, yeah. you know. Um, and with that in mind as well, uh, we are going to be moving on to another product in the Games Workshop one. Uh, we're going to be moving on to Dark Future very soon. That conversation is going to get dark. Oh. That is a dark future. That is somewhere where I would not want to live. It, it, it's a black comedy <laughs> in, in a, in a <laughs> well, post-apocalyptic landscape. I like that landscape. you put a, a good light on that there. Yeah. That was good yeah. spin. Yeah, it's got... It's, got it, it, it's funny if you have a really, mm. like... The novels are quite like sense of humour. <laughs> have, have you had a chance to, to glance through any of the novels? I've only only briefly looked at them to steal bits for marketing release. <laughs> well, I, I had a glance with um, Peter, our, mm. our, our creative producer here. Um, he was in episode two, episode three. many, many. Um, no, yep. He has just been in one. Yeah, yep. we we should, really should whack on that that yeah. table yeah, and yeah. see who's yeah, got absolutely. the best tally. Um, but he showed me them, and yeah, there's there's a real sense of it's very self aware. Yeah. Um, and there's a real sense of uh, of, of that kind of that sense of humour around it, but it's still a very bleak looking future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've been I've been very fortunate enough to play a lot of the game recently because we've we, as we're getting towards the final stages of it. Yeah, yeah. Different builds are coming out, and um, there's some very exciting stuff as well going on about 
versions. Oh, I, I, you know what? When we get into the next part, well, there's going to be so okay, much we can okay. talk about. I just I kind of feel bad because I can't say as much as I know. <laughs> S- such as working in games. Like, you're always, like, walking around with so much cool intel and you just can't tell anyone about it. it. But what I will say, though, is... It's looking really good fun. Mm-hmm. It's like it's I've I've been thoroughly enjoying my places. So I've 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 got a couple of questions that I want to want to quiz Pete about at some yeah, point when we yeah. get, we will have to get back on on, the, on the episode. Yeah, absolutely. On, on but um, it's a very unique, strange little beast. Yeah, and incredibly fun to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, absolutely, absolutely. Um. Cool. Well, I think that pretty much sums up everything for today. Like I said, you can check out Chainsaw Warrior on the Steam Store now. It should be on sale. If it if it not, it will be it will be very soon. But just <laughs> check it out. Add it to your wish list. Pick, pick it up. It's not that expensive. I think when it's in the sale, it's only like seventy nine p or something yeah, like that. It's so, dirt cheap. You know, so it's dirt dirt cheap. Pick it up. Um, check out our other titles. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you do all the things that you need to do to keep in touch with us. And until next time. Until next time. Au revoir. Au revoir.